All right, back in the Young Turks. Uh, you know how this works. Uh, first half hour, the last hour is uh, interviews. I got two great ones coming up for you guys. And then the second half hour is just for members. In that uh, members only post game, I've got two awesome stories for you guys. Uh, awesome as in amazing and interesting, not good. Uh, Elizabeth Warren uh, greeted by racist chants at an airport from Trump supporters. Uh, don't miss that story. And and then the tick, 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 tick poll, I just saw the results. I'm gonna share them in the post game. I wanna see Anna's reaction. Uh, well, you wanna see my reaction. Uh, who's ahead? There is a lot of votes, okay? So tyt.com slash join to become a member and uh, see our conversation about that and the important Warren story. All right, now speaking of important stories, let's get uh, to our interviews. Joining me now is Angelo Carazone. He's president of Media Matters for America. Uh, and they have been looking into the issue of impeachment and how Republicans actually feel about it. Angelo, welcome back to the Young Turks, brother. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So uh, if there's one thing I know from watching television now, uh, impeachment is the equivalent of a coup. Uh, and, and the Republicans obviously would not be in favor of it. So uh, I know that Newt Gingrich, I mean, there's no way that he would be in favor of an impeachment or participate in it, right? Right. <laughs> I mean, he's one of the people who helped corral the rest of Fox and then the right wing media at large and obviously Republicans to start using that terminology. Um, and one of the things I mean, within a few hours after the uh, it first became real, um, they started doing segments on Fox News saying, take the word impeachment and replace it with the word coup. Uh, and it was only a few days before essentially everybody up and down the chain, not just at Fox, but right wing media uh, itself was echoing those talking points, and then that starts to filter out into more establishment types. Do you remember Newt Gingrich calling uh, his uh, own efforts to impeach Bill Clinton a coup? Definitely not. Uh, I mean, and they went through, they jumped through some pretty significant hurdles back then, you know, to justify it. Uh, so no, I mean, I mean, there's 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 obviously total hypocrisy here. I think the part about the use of the word coup, which actually is even more unsettling than the hypocrisy is that it's just like the invasion part of it, uh, the, the use of the terminology invasion. It's not just that they're trying to be, that they are being hypocritical and trying to flip the scripts or invalidate it, but they're actually trying to reinforce a sense of urgency because they understand that unlike even in the 90s to an extent, but much more so now, um, power in particular on the right is being organized on what most people consider the fringes, but they're no longer the fringes because that's where power is being organized. And so when you use terminology like coup, it's not just in part to invalidate the to, to invalidate it. They're also trying to stoke their extremists because that raises the stakes for everybody, right? They're trying to scare people. I mean, that's yeah. ultimately what it boils down to because they understand what their people are going to do when you start using terminology like that. Um, it justifies what follows because it invalidates it in a really intense way. Yeah, even uh, Fox News uh, legal analyst uh, Judge Napolitano has said uh, using words like that is palpably dangerous uh, because uh, it in empowers the crazies to take uh, physical violent action. Uh, so it has consequences. But to be fair, I mean, this is only a national security issue. Uh, the calls with Ukraine, now China, earlier the issue with Russia, whereas Bill Clinton was a really important thing about consensual right. sex. I mean, that's exactly right. It was very important. And, you know, they were advocating for impeachment of Obama. I mean, they never got through with it, but it's not like the same people right now 
that are using the coup terminology uh, were not advocating for impeaching President Obama. I mean, they they, they did. They advocated for it consistently, um, starting a few days after he was inaugurated, um, all the way through the end of his presidency. Um, the single biggest push for impeachment against Obama came in 2011, uh, and it was, you know, largely Fox business driven. Uh, but they were making the argument then. I mean, my, my they sort of did a uh, impeachment choose your own adventure. My favorite was that you could impeach him for fascism, socialism, or Obamaism. Take your choice. That was the the exact sort of quote and rallying cry that they were using at the time. So no, yeah, their efforts at impeaching Obama or trying to drive impeachment of Obama uh, are hilarious and wonderfully hypocritical. So I want to go through some specific examples. Uh, but uh, the one you pointed out uh, was, a, yes, a particularly good one because uh, in the Trump one, there are specific laws that he's violated. Campaign finance laws, obstruction laws, uh, possibly all the way up to extortion, bribery, uh, etc. And he admits some of those things that he did. You can pinpoint exact statutes that he has clearly violated. And when he came to Obama, uh, uh, I don't know, man, I kind of want to impeach him for Obamaism. Which literally means I want to impeach him for being him. I just don't like him. Yes. So I would like to impeach him for because I don't like him. It's it's amazing yeah. admission of I have no substance and I can't stand that guy because he's a Democrat, black, or whatever it was that they couldn't stand him for. Yeah, no, it's absolutely incredible. I mean, one of the arguments that they made for impeachment was that he had, quote, a malevolent uh, feeling right toward the country. Um, and so what I what I appreciate about that is the same analysts that were using that exact justification for impeachment of Obama are today, uh, so that's Tammy Bruce all the way down, um, were, are today making the argument that, well, there are technically no high crimes that have been committed here, right, with, with respect to Trump. Um, you know, it has to be an official crime. There's no law on the books against what Trump did in in, the, in those phone calls. And yet, at the time when it was Obama, I mean, they were quoting him for a generalized feeling of what they thought was malevolence. Yeah, and let's note an extra layer of uh, irony on that one. Uh, they are now supporting the guy who said America sucked uh, and we need to make it great again. And we weren't winning. We had a bunch of loser generals. Loser everything in America was in disastrous shape. That would appear to be malevolence towards America. <laughs> so pretty strong. I would say, yeah, I mean, he basically called us the stupid country pretty much relentlessly for a few decades. Uh, uh, <laughs> and would, in a way, in a weird, sort of unsettling way, kind of relish what he thought were exploitations. Um, so I'm not, uh, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It doesn't feel even. I mean, I'm used to this. I'm used to some level of hypocrisy from the right uh, or a high level of hypocrisy. But this is just really distinct um, because in a way, it's not even like, you know, in the past, what I, and what I think makes this so different is that when you would make a charge of hypocrisy, they would actually in some way try to argue that it wasn't hypocritical. They would, uh, you know, maybe really get down to some weird fine nuance and, and they would at least try. They would go through the effort of trying to defend themselves from the charge. Now, uh, they sort of just embrace it and then just add that as more fuel to the fire of owning the libs. And th there's this relishing of just how hypocritical they're actually being and how little they actually care um, that I think is fundamentally different about 
this current conversation as opposed to instances of hypocrisy in the past. Yeah, there's a couple of different layers to it. There's like the lunatics like Michael Savage who don't bother trying to make sense. No. Um, and then uh, there is the trolls online who are like, yeah, we don't make sense. We own the libs, we're inside your head, we're living there red free because <laughs> you're thinking about how stupid we are. Okay. That's exactly right, that's right? exactly right. Yeah. All right, if you say so. <laughs> And then there's the guys like Hugh Hewitt, which are treated with great respect, right? Uh, he was hired by MSNBC, not Fox News, he was hired by MSNBC. He was on presidential debate panels and here he is talking like a lunatic about how it's a coup and they're coming to get poor Trump. And, and uh, But I, I wanna go back to the, the hypocrisy because there's so many wonderful uh, instances of it. I don't wanna run out of time. So I wanna go through them a little bit one by one here. Uh, so. Yeah. Apparently, uh, Obama should have been impeached for supporting LGBTQ rights. Uh, why? Correct. Uh, well, what's amazing is that he should have been impeached both before and after the Supreme Court um, officially ruled in favor of it. Um, and the why, I wish I could explain to you, but there's not even a remotely compelling reason. Yeah, uh, he's in favor of gay rights. He thinks they should be uh, equal citizens, like the Constitution says. Let's impeach him, yeah. follow the Constitution, right. crazy Obamaism. Yeah. Uh, he celebrated the democratic, uh, basically revolution that happened in Egypt, which by the way, he didn't. I, I was on MSNBC at the time. He supported both the uprising and Mubarak. It was a classic Obama move. But mm -hmm. so after Mubarak left, he's like, "Oh, they won. Yeah, Arab Spring. Yes, but it's overall a good thing. You know, I wanted him on the side of democracy. Apparently, you should be impeached for that." You should, um, and there's another dark layer to that, which is actually my favorite part of one of the ways that they actually elevated his whole conversation and what they thought was his support of the uprising in Egypt is that this was a, in right-wing circles and even on Fox News, they reported that they saw one of the four horsemen of the apocalypse um, appearing at the uh, protests in Egypt. And uh, mm. that brought in a bunch of like really bizarre, crazy conspiracy theorists and far right you know, evangelical Christians who actually then started tying that into the idea that maybe Obama was in some way like the harbinger, that he was actually calling or in cahoots with the horsemen of the apocalypse. And like, I know that sounds completely nuts and ridiculous. But like that was literally one of the top stories on Fox Nation for a period of time during the, up, the initial uprising in Egypt. And then it helped fuel that very conspiracy, uh, I mean, th that very, calls for impeachment uh, that you referenced. Yeah, to be fair, um, all four of the horsemen are uh, definitely uh, violent in violation of many statutes. And so if he was in, <laughs> you know, if he was going in that direction, well, I, I can see why they wanted to impeach. Um, uh, he was opposed to voter suppression. So why should we impeach someone who wants more people to vote? Yeah, that is a that one is one of those ones where it's like they're saying the thing out loud that they're not supposed to be saying, right? Mm -hmm. um, where it's like we want to suppress people's ability to participate and vote because it's bad for us politically, um, and <laughs> Obama is critical of those efforts, and therefore, uh, you know that that we have to impeach him. Obviously, um, there was a parallel to that, which actually Megyn Kelly was one of the principal drivers of uh, the conversation around. Like I'm trying to figure out like what gave this fuel and legitimacy to an extent. And it was Megyn Kelly who actually was arguing that Obama was secretly conspiring with the new Black Panthers in order to get a whole bunch of people that shouldn't vote to vote while simultaneously suppressing 
white people from voting uh, in order to. So all of those cries about, you know, opening up the vote, making sure that you are fighting voter suppression. When you sort of tied it all together, what what the right wing audience that was advocating for impeachment for that really heard was that Obama was secretly trying to um, use the new Black Panthers to stop them from voting. Yeah, and prevent good white voters like Santa Claus from voting. Correct. Uh, Correct. By the way, the other guy who drove that particular um, impeachment effort was Mark Levin, who now is all over Fox News going, impeachment's crazy, you should never do impeachment. I mean. (laughs) <laughs> the great one, they call him. God, that's they do. They call such a low one. bar. If, that, if that's your great one, hilarious. <laughs> All right, uh, look, there's actually tons of this. So go to mediamatters.org. We just gave you the tip of the iceberg. <laughs> they want to impeach him for everything under the sun. Now all of a sudden impeachment is uh, uh, unbearable and the most extreme thing you could do. Uh, and Media Matters is excellent at covering Republican and conservative uh, hypocrisy. So, Angela, thank you for joining us. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Absolutely. All right. Uh, when we come back, someone actually trying to save democracy, and he's rounded up a lot of professors to help him. And I want to uh, talk to him about his path for doing so. I think you're going to find this really interesting. And like I said, after that, we got the members only post game where I'm going to reveal the results of the tick, 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 tick poll. And uh, and uh, show you a video of Trump supporters doing racist chants against Elizabeth Warren. We'll be right back. All right, back in the Young Turks. I just read a third interesting uh, Elizabeth Warren story. We'll do that in the post game too. This one's at least hilarious. Tuit.com/slash join to become a member and get the post game. All right, joining me now is Jeff Clements. He's the founder and president of American Promise. Uh, they're trying to help save democracy, um, and uh, they've got an interesting new um, uh, letter that they have revealed to help do that. Jeff, welcome back to the program. Hey, thanks, Jack. Good to see you. Uh, great to see you, brother. So um, I want to talk about how in a second, because that's super important. But first, let's talk about the letter. Uh, so you guys have, uh, have put this out. What's in it, and and who signed it? Well, as you know, millions of Americans have called for a constitutional amendment over the last several years to get big money out of politics, put power back in the hands of the people. And what was uh, significant about this letter in, uh, on Constitution Day, actually, uh, just a, a week or two ago, was that 50 of the top legal scholars in the country, former judges uh, across the partisan spectrum, signed on to say we must get this amendment done. The Supreme Court was wrong to strike down the campaign finance laws and power corporations and money as, as sort of free speech, um, and that we had to get an amendment to overturn it. Now, of course, most Americans already know that, but when you have former judges and law professors like Larry Tribe and, and, and Zephyr Teachout and Republicans, former John McCain advisor Trevor Potter, all saying we need this amendment, it's pretty significant. Larry Lessig and so many other uh, acclaimed uh, law professor saying it. Jeff, you don't know this, but this is like my dad's dream come true. He, he always tells me like, why the professors don't get together and say this is the reality? And so here it is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Your dad come is true. right on. <laughs> <laughs> and so it's true. And in the, as I, I've been saying lately, it's the corruption, stupid. Uh, yeah. and, uh, and so now with these professors and legal scholars leading the way saying, no, no, you're, it's, your eyes aren't lying to you. It, it actually is deeply problematic and hurts democracy. And the rulings of the Supreme Court made no sense 
that they're human beings who have speech rights. That means they can buy off politicians. But unfortunately, the Supreme Court being what it is, you need an amendment to go above their heads. So, and Jeff is one of the great fighters on that. So now, Jeff, now the hard questions. How? So, is there any headway in getting? any kind of amendment on this issue through Congress? Well, the how is, is you're right, the big question, the hard question. Um, and constitutional amendments are, don't happen every day, but here's, here's what's significant. Uh, in times of uh, turmoil, disruption, breakdown, corruption, uh, amendments actually come in bunches. And so, you know, we did four amendments between 1962 and 1971. We did the post-Civil War amendments. We did four amendments in the progressive era. So the question is, are we in an amendment moment in our country? And I think there's no question we are. Um, we see the disruption, we see, we see the breakdown, we see the corruption, and we either do this or we lose democracy. And so the how is the American people sticking together, rising up to do the really hard work it takes to win a constitutional amendment. But that's why women vote, it's why we elect senators. So many things we take for granted now were done by people just like us winning the constitutional amendment. Now, the technical answer, of course, is, and I think what you're alluding to, Jack, is, you know, 27 amendments won a vote in Congress by two thirds. That's what it takes, two thirds of the Congress to propose an amendment. As you've said before, Jack, uh, you know, there's another way to propose an amendment, and that's a convention called by two-thirds of the states for the purpose of proposing an amendment. And we're seeing today just what we saw in those other times of need in this country, Americans deciding, all right, which method am I going to hammer at? Am I going to hammer at Congress or am I going to go around Congress and push for a convention? That's part of the dynamic. And I'm confident that, you know, whether Congress or, or a convention proposed this amendment, it's going to happen. And uh, not in, in 20 years, it's going to happen in this decade. And Congress is either going to propose it or get out of the way and uh, the people are going to go around them. But, you know, I think usually in the past, Congress has seen the light when the people do their job. And I think that's what we're starting to see. And I think Congress will see the light and it'll be a, uh, it's always impossible until it's inevitable. And I think we're nearing inevitable in the next few years. Yeah, so let, let me agree with Jeff on a number of counts here. First off, uh, they do come in bunches and uh, and uh, people say like, oh, it's impossible. Well, then how come we did 27 of them, <laughs> right? I don't, right. Think, exactly. I don't think you understand what the word impossible means, um, exactly. <laughs> right? Uh, and yes, it's usually when uh, people either through a convention or other means put pressure on, on Congress uh, to do it. Uh, obviously, I believe in putting that pressure on by going the convention route, uh, and uh, and that's what Wolfpack does, wolf-pack.com. American Promise is in favor of both routes, all routes. For God's sake, let's get the amendment. And I totally agree with that, Jeff, and you do wonderful work there. Uh, and so let's focus on Congress for a second, though, because we've on the show, we've talked a lot about the convention path, and Wolfpack's already got put five on the board, and I think we can do that. But is there, have you run into anyone, and this part, I think, I don't know the answer to this, and it could get a little dispiriting, but we need to have honest conversations about it. Have you found anyone that has, um, at this point, a credible pathway to getting two thirds of Congress to call for an amendment? Again, either way, either Congress or the states are proposing an amendment. Three quarters of the states have to ratify it anyway. Uh, but we're talking about Congress proposing an amendment, and it takes two thirds of them to do that. Have you talked to someone who says, "Oh, yeah, but if we do this and then this, and then that yeah. leads to that? 
Yeah, I've talked to this guy, Jeff Clements, president of American Promise. <laughs> so great, so, what is uh, it? <laughs> so you know, I I I believe just like the other amendments. Uh, however, people decide to push this forward, Congress in the end will vote by two thirds to propose an amendment, and they'll either do it to prevent a convention from being necessary, uh, or they'll do it because we get two thirds. Now, look, we have all of the Democrats, and that, that in some ways makes it harder to get the Republicans who actually want to be with us on this on board. But we've got the independents, Angus King, a moderate senator from Maine, on board. Um, now, obviously, the question is, where are the Republican votes going to come from? And we don't think, uh, I don't think anyone who thinks Congress is going to propose this thinks it will be this Congress. I think, you know, three years in a tumultuous time is a long time in American politics. And if any, if, uh, I, I haven't talked to anyone who thinks the Congress in 2022 or three is gonna look like the Congress of today. And so the question is, what are we doing to make the Congress of 2022, 2023 ready to vote two thirds on this? And so I think we'll see, a, uh, obviously we'll need a different Senate majority leader. Mitch McConnell is not going to move this forward in the Senate. But we see Republicans getting on board. John Katko, an upstate New York Republican, thanks to the hard work of, of people pushing for this amendment around the country, led uh, and joined Ted Deutsch and, and Jamie Raskin and Jim McGovern, progressives, in introducing the amendment in the House. I think we can earn the support of people like Lisa Murkowski, maybe even Susan Collins in the Senate. Uh, but again, it has to be from the states, it has to be their constituents, and they have to have no choice uh, to to get behind this uh, or face defeat. And I think that's the kind of dynamic that's beginning to play out. Wolfpack does tremendous work. It's very important that, you know, we don't leave any tool in the, in the tool shed and the energy that, you know, Wolfpack brings to this. And we work with them in, in many states and hope to see them at our, at our National Citizen Leadership Conference uh, in a couple of weeks. Um, but that's all part of the process. So it's okay if, if you don't buy the theory that Congress is ever gonna get behind it and you're, Get working with your fellow Americans to propose an amendment uh, in a convention, that's great. Uh, the, only, uh, the only inexcusable thing is to do nothing and then give yourself a pass by saying, oh, Congress won't do it, oh, and the convention's too hard. So I think that the dynamics are playing out. We'll get 67 Senate votes, 290 House votes, and we'll be on our way. Yeah, and so look, I wanna give people a little bit of hope uh, because First of all, uh, part of the reason why the first and only litmus test that Just Democrats had was no corporate PAC money was because our thesis is that if you have clean, uncorrupted politicians, uh, they're gonna vote for an amendment immediately. Uh, so why would you want uh, other politicians being bribed when you're not being bribed, <laughs> right? I mean, it's just logic, right? And so, and if you're not taking the bribes, then you, it's, that's not your source of power. Uh, the votes are your source of power. So. Uh, so I think that if you support not just just Democrats, but anyone not taking corporate PAC money, including by the way, Republicans, if they if they exist and they do, and I'll tell you about that in a second, that it's gonna lead to clean politicians that are much more likely to clean up the system altogether. Uh, and and yes, don't give up hope. Yes, on the at the national level, Mitch McConnell has led the Republicans off a cliff and saying, no, legalized bribery is excellent, the American people love it. The reality is not only do American people hate it, Republican voters hate it more than Democratic voters. And I say that That's based right. on polling. And anecdotally, when a Wolfpack goes door to door, Republican voters hate the corruption. They hate Soros money, they hate Bloomberg money, they hate all the money that's bribing the politicians, right? 
And now Wolfpack just had their workshop for leaders just last weekend. I was at it in Dallas. Bunch of Republicans in the room. And there's a very conservative legislator in, in Texas who's leading the movement down there. So look, whether it's wolfpack.com or AmericanPromise.net, you gotta get in the fight because this is definitely possible. And, and believe it or not, Republican voters are actually very animated about this. We just gotta push them to let their politicians know where they stand and insist on it. Otherwise, throw the bums out. But last thing, Jeff, real quick. Uh, what what would be in the amendment? Well, the constitutional amendment has to do a couple of key things. Number one, we have to get our power back as as the American people, with the, the the ones who decide uh, who goes to represent us. And the only way to do that is to have limits on on the power of money in our political system. So Congress and the states and we the people and our ballot initiatives and at every level need to be able to make the rules about keeping big money out of. Elections, and I think the idea that you know a corporation, a big global corporation, no matter how huge, no matter how international, is just like a person with free speech—that's unsustainable. Uh, that has to change. The constitutional amendment will do that. So there's some good, really good proposals. Uh, consensus is building. The amendment needs to have limits on the power of money in the political system. We need to be equal citizens, not have our power allocated based on wealth, and we need to be human beings and citizens not big global corporations calling the shots. Look, even Tucker Carlson's talking about how big global corporations are crushing the average American worker. And and that's because that the Republican base is actually on our side on this. This is the sure. only thing that the whole country agrees on. It's the one thing that unites us. It's the corruption, stupid. <laughs> so we gotta get together to fight it. And, and Jeff's done a, a great job of bringing them the law professors from all different stripes across the political spectrum to get together and say, yes, this is true. It is a real problem and there is a way to fix it and it's an amendment. Everybody check out AmericanPromise.net. Jeff, thanks so much for joining us on the Young Turks, really appreciate it. Hey, thank you, Jack, great to be with you, take care. You too. All right, guys, when we come back, racist chants against Elizabeth Warren by Trump supporters. A hilarious story of a Republican or conservatives targeting Elizabeth Warren and how it backfires. And the results of the tick, 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 tick poll we did yesterday on the show. Tons of votes, pretty close. I'll show you what the results are when we come back just for the members at tyt.com slash join. We'll see you there.